Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia football podcast. I'm Stuart Steele, the sports editor at the Red and Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, the Red and Black football beat will look back on the previous week's game and preview the matchup for next week. In this episode, I'll speak to assistant sports editor John James about Georgia's 55-0 win against Vanderbilt and take a look back at the Bulldogs' season so far with football beat reporter Parth Patel. Welcome to the show, John. Thanks for having me, Stu. So, yeah, I want to talk, obviously, Georgia Vandy, a 55-0 win for the Bulldogs. What would you say is your biggest takeaway from this game, or do you even really have big takeaways as far as, like, a a season-long look for Georgia? I don't really have any big takeaways from that game. It was 55 to nothing. Vanderbilt isn't a team that's going to threaten a lot of SEC opponents, with the exception of Ole Miss, I guess, because that week was just the Twilight Zone or something. But I don't think Vandy's a team that you should make large-scale projections based off of for the season as a whole. I think I generally agree with you, but I would say I think there are positives to take away for the Georgia passing game going forward. I think, I mean, it was your sidebar as well about the receivers stepping up with Dylan Bell having a good game, uh, Blaylock getting in the end zone, Rosemey Jack Saint with a couple nice catches, even Arik Gilbert, who was, you know, obviously a big person we were talking about preseason getting involved finally. It was good to see that. And I think that Stetson Bennett returning to form is is notable just because it was his best game in probably a month. I think going back to the South Carolina game, it's pretty clear that this was his best overall performance as a passer. So I think that is something that Georgia can probably build on going forward and just getting more receivers involved beyond just Bowers, McConkey, Washington kind of. Yeah, Stetson's accuracy was honestly incredible in the Vanderbilt game. I had some qualms with some of the decisions he was making. He was throwing into a lot of tight windows, I thought, but he was making all of the throws perfectly. And I'd like to see that production from the secondary receivers you talked about again, because Vanderbilt's a team that you can move the ball on no matter who you are. But if they can do this against a Kentucky or against a Florida, I'll feel more confident in those other options on Georgia's offense. I think the way to look at it almost is like those kinds of secondary guys almost combine into one player almost like as far as their production levels because like if those guys combined production like equals out to what like a number two number three receiver would be giving you I think that's good and if it doesn't I think that's a problem and Georgia will probably have to rely heavily on Bowers McConkey Mitchell when he gets back um, and Washington to an extent although he's also not always a big factor in the passing game so I think just like as long as those guys are able to make plays when they're thrown to, I think that Georgia's offense will be in good shape. I agree. Um, one thing I did notice from the Vanderbilt game is that Bauer's production wasn't as high as it typically is, and that's been a theme for the past few weeks. I wonder if it's intentional on the part of Kirby Smart and his coaching staff to get the other guys involved at Bowers's expense to build up the confidence in those secondary guys where you, you know you can always rely on Bowers no matter how many touches he has throughout the season. But those other guys might need to build some momentum, build up that track record of production when you get into those big games later on. I think there's something to that because just watching the game, it seemed like Bowers was taken out a little earlier than some of the other primary receivers, obviously with Lad McConkey notwithstanding due to the injury. But Darnell was still out there playing and, you know, the group of Dylan Bell and Rosemary Jack Saint and all of them were still in the game. Even Kenny McIntosh was still rotating in, but it seemed like Bowers was taken out completely. And I don't think there's any reason that would be health connected. So I think it was maybe 
Kirby seeing an opportunity to get Stetson some more chemistry with some of the younger receivers and guys he doesn't necessarily throw to as often. And the Bennett-Bowers connection is so strong and so proven that it's almost like something you can already bank on, like you were saying. I agree. Um, The other takeaway I had from Georgia's offense in this game was that Carson Beck looked really good. Every time I've seen him this season, he's been a little more aggressive than Stetson usually is, and that can be dangerous at times, but it hasn't it hasn't been a detriment so far for him, and he's looked really sharp, really decisive every time he stepped into the game, which I think is something Georgia should be confident in. Yeah, I think we kind of talked about it while we were at the game, but if Stetson were to get injured in any kind of minor way, we think I think they could at least weather the storm for a couple games with Carson Beck. He seems really comfortable in the offense and I'm pretty confident in him as a potential starter next season for Georgia I think that there won't be a huge drop-off for the offense at the quarterback spot with him obviously he's a different kind of player than Stetson Bennett but he's shown a little bit of mobility as well he he sometimes can bust out for a nice run or two but um yeah Carson Beck looks really comfortable and I think Georgia will feel good about knowing they could rely on him in a spot you know if they really need to for a game or two Obviously, if Stetson Bennett is out for a long time at any point, I don't think Carson Beck is necessarily ready to take Georgia to, you know, a national championship or anything like that. But I think he can be a good stopgap. So moving over to the defensive side of the ball, obviously Georgia pitched a shutout in this game, but you and I saw it a little bit differently, I would say. I thought Georgia was pretty dominant for the most part with a little bit of early kind of shakiness that they didn't really get caught out for but you kind of saw more consistent holes in the Georgia defense particularly in pass coverage can you speak to that a little well I want to start with the good stuff I want to be positive today um Georgia's defensive line was dominant against Vanderbilt we talked about how Ray Davis is the second most rush rushing attempts in the SEC and he got a little bit of action against Georgia but he couldn't get anything going because that defensive line just pushed him pushed the offensive line back and couldn't, didn't let them get anything going past the line of scrimmage. On the passing game front, A.J. Swan, who I wanted to be good because I like to root for the underdog, A.J. Swan was terrible against Georgia. He was inaccurate, he was missing passes all over the place, and when he was hitting passes, the receivers were dropping them. So I think the, the shutout was not entirely, could not atti- entirely be attributed to the strength of Georgia's defense, as much as it was partially the fault of Vanderbilt just not being able to execute on offense like a more proficient team would be able to. Yeah, I mean, I'll also speak to some of the big positives I saw in the game. I think I already talked about him last week, but Warren Brinson, to me, is consistently showing up as a big factor on Georgia's defensive line as a a run stuffer and just a disruptor in general, and I think that's encouraging. I think it's been... He's been the biggest beneficiary of Jalen Carter being out as far as getting some more snaps and proving himself to be a a valuable piece of that rotation. Zion Logue obviously is always really solid in there as well as far as filling gaps, making plays in the run game, and just, you know, doing his job. I mean, that that interior line I think is going to be a big, big strength for Georgia when they get Jalen Carter back, Um, and I think it's even been a strength right now against some lesser opponents as well. Speaking to some of the negatives, I would say, like, I'm starting to be concerned about Keely Ringo a little bit. Uh, not like necessarily thinking he's a bad corner by any means or anything like that, but I think he could struggle against a Tennessee or 
and Alabama where he has to go against like some top level receivers I think he's gonna he's not gonna get destroyed probably but I think it's gonna be he could give up a big play or two in those games and I think it could really hurt Georgia and the dropped interception isn't really a big deal in this game but it is like you got to make that play if you're in Georgia's defense and again extrapolating out to a bigger game that could have really hurt Georgia against the Tennessee if you drop a play like that because as we've seen Tennessee can score 50 something points against a, a solid Alabama team so you're gonna have to make those plays if you want to get to where Georgia wants to go that was one of the things Georgia did really well in the start of the season is whenever the t- uh, the opponent started to build momentum they would get a turnover and just squash it immediately Christopher Smith had some, Malachi Starks had some, and in recent weeks those have fallen off a bit, and it's just been more of a bend-don't-break approach to defense as opposed to snatching away the opponent's attempts to build momentum. Yeah, I mean, there was still a fumble forced in this last game, and I think that the opportunities are still there, which is encouraging because Georgia's had a few dropped interceptions now with Malachi dropping one. The other week, Christopher Smith dropped one in the Missouri game that was kind of hung up there that he couldn't make the play on. Keeley, obviously. So those plays are still there to be made, and I think Georgia will make those plays more often than not. But it is concerning that it's there's been a string of those that they've kind of missed. Um, but like I said, I think Georgia can figure that out, and usually this defense is pretty good about being opportunistic. And I think I wouldn't even call them Ben, but don't break in the last few weeks. I mean, especially against Auburn, I thought they really imposed their will. This week, I thought they did generally. I thought they grew into the game as it went along and really shut Vanderbilt down, especially kind of towards the end of the first half. Barring that two-minute drill where they just went at Kamari Lassiter and uh, Dalen Everett like four straight times. And then for the second half, it was really Vanderbilt never got anything going. So I think overall, like I wouldn't give the defense like a perfect grade for this. Like it looks like they deserve, but probably like a B plus, A minus-ish. Outside of those two deep balls where Vanderbilt dropped one and they just wanted to flat out miss an open receiver on one, I think the defense had an outstanding day. But those two deep balls are the difference between zero points and 14 points for Vanderbilt. So I wanted to switch gears here at the end of this segment just to talk about what many are calling the game of the year. That happened while we were covering Georgia Vanderbilt in the press box. Um, Alabama and Tennessee played a 52-49 thriller, and uh, a lot of people are taking a lot of things away from that, obviously, on both sides of the ball. But I wanted to focus mainly on Tennessee because that's the only one of those teams that's currently on Georgia's schedule. I mean, that can obviously change depending on how everything shakes out with the SEC, but Tennessee's coming to town in three weeks and uh, I wanted to ask what your takeaways are and how you see Tennessee kind of as a SEC contender if I'm a Georgia fan right now I am shaking in my boots Uh, Tennessee was able to score on Alabama and score in bunches which is something you should not see a lot on a Nick Saban defense so Georgia's defense has been really really good this year and they faced Oregon which is a really really good offense outside of that first week But if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm a little worried about how my defense is going to fare against Tennessee. I mean, I agree with that, but I would say there's two major things working in Georgia's favor. Number one, they will not be heading to Knoxville to play that game. They will be staying here. They'll be at Sanford Stadium. They'll have a crowd behind them for what likely will be a night game. 
And I think that's a big advantage for Georgia. I think they would be more worried about this if they were going on the road. And obviously Georgia's not going to take the game lightly, and it's going to be probably a shootout. But I think Georgia's offense is equipped to handle that, especially against a Tennessee defense that has struggled at times this year. I think that Georgia likely will have A.D. Mitchell back by then and will be kind of at their full arsenal on offense. And I think they're going to be able to run the ball against Tennessee. They don't have a Jameer Gibbs, obviously, but Georgia's group of running backs is probably the deepest one in the entire conference as far as I'm concerned. And then I think Stetson Bennett's going to be come to play that day, and I think it's going to probably be – I don't think it'll be 52-49 to because I just think Georgia's defense is – I think they're significantly better than Alabama's defense, but I think it'll definitely be at least in the 30s. I agree. Um, and from Tennessee's perspective, I think this is especially interesting because Georgia's kind of established itself as a football superpower in the past few years. Tennessee is coming out of nowhere with this. The last time they were ranked in the top three was in 2005. This is their biggest game and I don't know how long. So they're coming into Athens to win. And if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm a little worried about what Tennessee was going to do with its back against the wall. I don't think there's any reason not to be worried as a Georgia fan for sure, but I would say like another thing that should comfort Georgia fans is exactly what you just said, that Tennessee isn't as used to these positions as the Bulldogs are. I mean, Georgia literally won the national championship last year, had to play big games, SEC championship. I mean, they've learned how to approach these games, and I think they'll be ready to play for that one. It's not like, you know, going to Missouri and having to deal with them and getting put in a trap game situation. I mean, Kirby Smart is going to have this team ready to play. All right. Thanks for coming on the show, John. Thanks for having me, Stu. Uh, welcome to the show, Park. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're doing something a little bit different this week since Georgia's in a bye week. Obviously, we can't preview Georgia's upcoming opponent. Instead, we're going to kind of zoom out a little bit and talk about Georgia's season to this point. Bye week seems like a good time to do that. Um, so I wanted to just see where you're at with Georgia this season. What is your feeling on this team? Do you see them as a legitimate contender right now? Obviously, they're 7-0. and same as last year, but I do think this season has been a little bit more challenging for Georgia than last season was to this point, um, in spite of not that hard of a schedule. Um, but yeah, just generally, what are your takeaways from Georgia's season so far? Yeah, so I think kind of the biggest takeaway of the season is kind of which version of Georgia's offense is kind of going to show up. You know, we saw it against Oregon and South Carolina. They were dynamic, kind of moving the ball. You know, the passing game was f- uh, firing on all cylinders. They've got the running game going later on in the season, too. So I think really kind of the kind of where they ran into trouble against kind of Missouri and a little bit against Kent State is when the passing offense isn't really clicking. So I think, you know, Georgia's season, just looking back at it so far, the biggest question mark is kind of will the passing game show up? Because, you know, when the passing game does show up, the offense looks like a legitimate, you know, top 10 offense. And then when you're playing behind the defense that they have, they look like, you know, legitimate chance to kind of repeat as national champions. But when the passing offense doesn't show up, they look kind of, you know, worrisome on offense. They can't really move the ball that well. And then it kind of, you know, it can, you know, get them into a little bit of trouble, especially with kind of the opponents they have coming up. Yeah, I think that the biggest difference between this team and last year's team is just like, I think this team is going to go where the offense takes them. And last year's team went where the defense took them because it was a historically great unit. 
and that isn't to say Georgia's defense is bad this year. It's far from it, but I don't think they're going to be able to hold all of their opponents down like last year's defense did. There's going to be a game or two where Georgia's opponent puts up 30-plus and Georgia's offense has to respond, and I'm pretty confident in them to do that, but you're, you're right that there's been some evidence to Georgia having these kind of sloppy outings, and if they have one at the wrong time, like it goes back to what I was saying where the defense last year they had one bad outing basically the whole year and that was the SEC title game and it came at a bad time but it wasn't at a time where it completely sunk Georgia's chances but if the the offense doesn't show up against Tennessee say that that could potentially sink Georgia's entire season if they lose that game just because I don't see Georgia really making the playoff if they don't at least make the SEC title game. So I think it's a it's a good point, and the offense needs to be able to be consistent in the passing game in general. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you put it well. I mean, the, this team's going to go where their offense takes them, and I think I think fans kind of expect more consistency from their offense just because you know Stetson's coming back. He had the whole off season as the starting quarterback, and you know. He got off to a fast start, but then he kind of slowed down and he was missing some throws. And I think I think the nagging injuries at wide receiver aren't really helping him either. But I think I do think the one good thing that's trending up for Georgia is their rushing game the last couple of games. And I think, you know, if their offense can kind of rely on that down the stretch, kind of kind of like the offense we've seen from the previous Georgia teams, I think, you know, they can run the ball, you know, and then just be efficient in the red zone. They can, they can find ways to win games, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like how they did it against Oregon where, you know, they just come out firing, you know, a bunch of passes to start out the game, and it's it's dynamic. But I think just, you know, running the ball could really just be the biggest key for consistency in Georgia's offense. Another thing I wanted to touch on with the offense was, and I saw a lot of this in the Vanderbilt game in particular, but there have been these these few plays that Georgia runs consistently that have started to become a little bit predictable with like that swing pass to Kenny McIntosh or whoever's at running back. Um, And that's the main one. And some of those quick screens to Bowers, like kind of in the middle of the field. Um, And they're starting to run some wrinkles on those where it's not just that play. They'll give you the same look with it, but it'll be slightly different. And I think that's really encouraging just because I think this Georgia offense is going to need to be able to adjust quickly in some of these games and like come up with things like that, that can confuse the defense and, One of them was really simple. It was just instead of running that little swing with Kenny to the side with three receivers, it was just run it to that opposite side. And Vanderbilt completely lost him on that play. And then some of them didn't even hit. Like, I mean, you can fake that screen to Bowers and try to take a shot down the field. They didn't hit it on Saturday, but it was good to see that it's in the playbook. And then also Stetson's been running QB draw off of some of those looks. It's almost like it's an option for him. And I think I like that. I like giving Stetson Bennett decisions to make in like a certain play because I think he's at an understanding level in this offense where he can do that pretty consistently. Um, Obviously, I mean, he's been prone to have that game where he throws a couple interceptions in the past, but so far this season, he's been relatively clean Um, for the most part. He's had a few turnovers, but none of them have been like really like boneheaded decisions, I would say, at least in my memory. So I think just having a trust level with Stetson is going to be really important down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. I think Stetson just running those plays and trusting him to make the right decision is really what's going to, you know, make the consistency for this offense. And, you know, if he can continue to do so and kind of, you know, not not have his turnover-worthy plays that we saw a little bit of last year and the year before, I think I think it bodes well for the offense down the road. 
Yeah, so kind of turning to the defense a little bit here. I mean, I think one of the biggest questions, probably the biggest question about Georgia as a team entering the season was how are all these young guys going to fit in? How are these people without a lot of um, playing experience going to fit in, replacing all those starters from last year's team? And I think it's been something of a mixed bag. I mean, there's been some slam dunk ones. Jamon Dumas-Johnson, I think, has been awesome at linebacker. I think Malachi Starks has immediately been one of Georgia's best defenders I think um, those are kind of the big ones that I I would say have been good and then on the flip side you have kind of I'd say Kamari Lassiter has been one of the shakier ones of those Um, just Georgia pass rush in general also I mean that's a whole group of players but like Michael Williams I was expecting to step up Nolan Smith I think hasn't been as much of like the alpha dog of this defense at least like on the field as we would expect. So, I mean, I guess just what is your general thought on this defense and uh, where do you see it maybe improving down the stretch? Yeah, so I think, you know, my general thoughts right now are kind of the defense, you know, they've played well, obviously not to, you know, the standard of last year's defense, but I don't think anyone could really match that. But I think, you know, there's been some question marks with players we kind of expected to, you know, make a big step. I think, you know, once N'Kobe Dean left for the NFL, I think we all expected kind of Nolan Smith to kind of be that fiery linebacker to kind of set the tone on defense, and we haven't really seen that. But, you know, Dumas Johnson's really stepped up, played a really big uh, role. I think, you know, the secondary, I think Malachi Starks has been really a, a playmaker back there. He's had a couple of picks, and he's he's also, you know, dropped a couple of uh, picks that, you know, he, he could have had as well. So I think there's been some good key pieces. I think the... The pass rush has just been kind of odd in a way because they're generating pressure against some opponents, but for whatever reason, they're not able to get sacks. And I think that's just something you've got to monitor, you know, down the stretch when, you know, you're going against high-powered offenses um, with Tennessee and then another good quarterback in Richardson. I think, you know, the defense line's been able to do a good job to force the quarterback out of the pocket, and usually, you know, they've been throwing it away. But, you know, with some mobile quarterbacks coming up, I think, the past, I think the secondary is going to have to play a little bit better just to make sure, you know, those, you know, when the quarterback leaves the pocket, they're not, you know, able to make a completion or something downfield. So I think for the most part, the defense has played well. Secondary needs, you know, a little bit of work, you know, and that's kind of expected with younger guys in the mix there. I think, you know, Lassiter has been kind of iffy so far. And I think, the, you know, I think the bye week is going to help the secondary kind of come together and kind of work, you know, watch what they need to work on I think Ringo is kind of another big not necessarily a question mark but I think there was a sense of kind of improvement we expected him to see going into the season and it you know it hasn't been that he's been bad but he hasn't quite been as good as you know we've expected so I think I think the secondary has some kind of improvements that they need to make but I'd say overall with the unit they're playing at a pretty you know good level going into the bye week yeah I mean I'd say I'd say corner almost more specifically than just the whole secondary for me is the biggest question mark. And I, I thought coming into this season, Georgia would rely heavily on their secondary because I thought Keely Ringo seemed like he was going to be like a number one corner kind of shutdown type of guy. And he hasn't necessarily been that. I still think it's in him. I think he's got immense talent and ability. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him rise to the occasion in these games coming up here. And I do think like, the biggest thing you can rely on with this Georgia defense is the safety group. I feel like Christopher Smith has been awesome this year, making plays in the run game, making plays in the pass game. He has one or two um, tackles a game that really like uh, make you pay attention because I think he's 
probably the best tackler on Georgia's defense as far as just making the play. Um, and then Malachi, obviously, I think is going to continue to be like a big X factor for this defense just because he is such a such a good athlete and he seems so instinctive that he probably is going to have a couple plays that really like change games for Georgia down the stretch here against big time teams. And I think that Georgia just needs Keely Ringo to play to the level of a number one cornerback. And then that way they can kind of shade some help over to Lassiter's side, I think is going to be important. Or if it looks like they might be considering going to Dalen Everett over there based on Saturday. So whoever that number two corner is, I think has the most pressure on them because Georgia's going to be playing against teams that love to throw the ball. I mean, if they want to win a national championship, they'll have to go through Alabama probably at some point. They're going to have to go through Tennessee regardless, and those teams love to throw the ball and can do it with consistency, So, and they have deep receiving cores. So I think that it's going to be important for Georgia to have that second outside corner that can really play and that they can rely on. I think even the nickelback position like Bullard and Tyke Smith have both shown some ability there, and I'm not that concerned about that. It's really just that outside corner spot and the pass rush that I think I'm worried about. Yeah, I mean, I think you touched on it pretty well. I think the second corner is going to have to, you know, make some plays down the stretch when you're going up against, you know, Tennessee and Mississippi State on the road. So, and, I, and you know, I think that um, the pass rush is also going to have to, you know, make some plays because, you know, Georgia to, you know, finish out its season goes Richardson, Hooker, um, Rodgers, and then Will Levis for Kentucky. So they play four solid, you know, quarterbacks, and I think, the pass rush is going to have to kind of show up and, you know, get, register those sacks if Georgia wants to kind of, you know, get back to the SEC championship. So I think the pass rush and that number two corner are going to have to step up. So, yeah, I wanted to ask for an offensive MVP so far this season and a defensive MVP so far this season for Georgia. Yeah, so I think offensively I'm going to go with someone that's been really consistent for Georgia pretty much this whole season, and that's going to be Dejon Edwards. I think he's been really well at running back. You know, Kirby's relied on him a lot in the fourth quarter, and he's, you know, he's came through. So I think I think Edwards would be my offensive MVP, and then I think on defense it's going to be Malachi Starks just because, you know, he's made really good instinct plays, and he's really just, you know, he's been really fun to watch, and he's kind of helped that secondary out. Yeah, so for me on offense, I'm going to stay away from Stetson Bennett just because it feels a little obvious. I'm going to go with Darnell Washington as one of the most valuable players for Georgia's offense because of what he provides even when he's not getting the ball. His blocking is awesome. I mean, he's just on the first play against Vanderbilt, he totally mauled a guy. I mean, he sets the tone for this Georgia offense, I think, more so than any one player. And I I just think he's such a big part of what they do in the run game. And he's really starting to come into his own as a pass catcher as well making key plays, and I think that's a good sign for Georgia that they can rely on Washington in that role as well as Bowers, who's obviously had his, like, huge games this season, and he's had games where he's kind of invisible as well. So just that they have a second tight end to go to is big. And then defensively, for me, it's between Christopher Smith and Jamon Dumas-Johnson, and I'm going to go with Jamon Dumas-Johnson just because he has taken such a big leap this season, whereas Christopher Smith has already been such a reliable guy. I think Dumas Johnson is really, like you said earlier, becoming one of the vocal leaders of this defense, which I think is really impressive for someone who hadn't played very much coming into this year. And I think he's carrying on that tradition at Georgia's linebacker spot of the N'Kobe Deans, the Roquan Smiths, those kinds of players that really know how to play the game. And the way he's just really taken over this defense is super impressive to me. All right, thanks for coming on the show, Parth. Yep, it's always a pleasure, Stu. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm Stuart Steele. 
You can find other episodes wherever you get your podcasts and on redandblack.com. For even more Georgia football coverage, visit redandblack.com slash gameday. We'll tee it up between the headphones again next week.